6, the 136th Psalm. You'll find this in your Pew Bible, right pretty much in the middle of the Bible, on page 843 and continuing on to 844. Page 843 and continuing on to page 844. The 136th Psalm, reading this psalm in its entirety. Friends, this is the Word of God. Lord, for He is good, for His mercy endures forever. Oh, give thanks to the God of gods, for His mercy endures forever. Oh, give thanks to the Lord of lords, for His mercy endures forever. To him who alone does great wonders, for his mercy endures forever. To him who by wisdom made the heavens, for his mercy endures forever. To him who laid out the earth above the waters, for his mercy endures forever. To him who made great lights, for his mercy endures forever. The sun to rule by day, for his mercy endures forever. The moon and stars to rule by night. For his mercy endures forever. To him who struck Egypt in their firstborn. For his mercy endures forever. And brought out Israel from among them. For his mercy endures forever. With a strong hand and with an outstretched arm. For his mercy endures forever. To him who divided the Red Sea in two. For his mercy endures forever. And made Israel pass through the midst of it. For his mercy endures forever. But overthrew Pharaoh and his army in the Red Sea. For his mercy endures forever. To him who led his people through the wilderness. For his mercy endures forever. To him who struck down great kings. For his mercy endures forever. And slew famous kings. For his mercy endures forever. Sion, king of the Amorites. For his mercy endures forever. And Og, king of Bashan. For his mercy endures forever gave their land as an heritage. For his mercy endures forever. And had, for his mercy endures forever. He remembered us in our lowly state. For his mercy endures forever. And rescued us from our enemies. For his mercy endures forever. Who gives food to all flesh. For his mercy endures forever. Oh, give thanks to the God of heaven. For his mercy endures forever. 
Well, my friends, this is now the fifth, the fifth of a five-part series on Psalm 136, 26 reasons for thanksgiving. 26 reasons for thanksgiving. As the psalmist gives us abundant reason for thanksgiving. So over the past several weeks, we've, of course, looked at the notion of thanksgiving, which by definition is a religious matter that involves the giving of thanks to the Lord. So we can say thank you and, you know, please and thank you children. That's a good thing to say to your mom or to your teacher or whomever. But thanksgiving in a particular way is a religious matter that involves the giving of thanks to the Lord. Of course, we've been using Psalm 136 with its unique structure. First of all, we notice it, do we not, with its refrain. In case you missed it, the refrain is, For his mercy endures forever. Also, we notice that it's divided into several different sections. In the last four, the first four messages, we we dealt with each of those sections, each of the first four sections. Today, there at the very end, at the very tail end of the psalm, we'll see that there are actually three distinct sections that we are all going to be considering. What we have seen already in this psalm is a great display of creation, redemption, and providence. That trio, that trio, creation. Redemption and providence. But it begins, as we've noted, and just to summarize once again in the first three verses, it begins with this threefold summons to give thanks. And the three names for God there in verse 1, the Lord, Yahweh, or Jehovah, the personal name of God. Verse 2, God, the God of gods, Elohim, common name for God, and then, O give thanks to the Lord of Lords, there the word Adonai, which can, of course, be applied in, um, in, in terms of humans, but in this context, when it says the Lord of Lords, of course, it's referring to God. And, of course, one of the things, I want to mention this again, because it is so important. One of the things that we learned there in those first three verses, besides ringing the changes on the idea of give thanks to the, the Lord, is the idea that we are to praise God simply for who he is, not, not for what he does. Now, we're to praise him for what he does. That's why he goes on, the psalmist goes on here. But fundamentally, and in the first place, we praise God simply for who we glorify God. Amen. We glorify God Amen. simply for who he is, as we heard in the adult class today. Then in verses 4 through 9, we see God's work as creator. And of course, it's a description in general terms in verse 4, to him who alone does great wonders, the wonders, the mysteries of creation. And then the description of the heavens and the heavenly bodies, the sun as it makes its march like a mighty man to uh, a, like, a, uh, like uh, a man coming out of the bridegroom's chamber to, to, begin, a, to begin the day. So the, the sun marches across the sky. And then, of course, the moon and stars to rule by night. And the wonders and the beauty of 
creation of the heavenly bodies. Amen. And then we come to, to verses 10 through 15, the third section, where it says the exodus, deliverance from Egypt. And remember that, uh, and, and we'll come back to this in just a moment as well, but the whole point here was, was not simply to deliver them from slave enslavement, but it was a picture of being delivered from sin, as well as, and again we'll mention this in a bit, as well as the whole idea of, of triumphing over the false gods of Egypt. It wasn't simply let my people go, that was that, but it was also to mock, to make fun of the false worship and the false gods of the Egyptians. But deliverance then from Egypt, the destruction of the Egyptians being a merciful thing to his elect, to his people, who struck Egypt in their firstborn, for his mercy endures forever, and brought out Israel from among them, for his mercy endures forever, verse 15, but overthrew Pharaoh and his army in the Red Sea, for his mercy endures forever. And then in verses 16 through 22, we come to the experience in the wilderness and Canaan, which of course was the promised land. So here, God brings his people providentially through the desert, through the wilderness, through that trackless region, without any water, without any food, other than what God provides. But in the midst of that then, the smiting of these Famous kings, these great kings, these powerful kings, particularly these small people, and Og, the king of Bashan. But also the giving of an heritage, verse 21, and gave their land as an heritage, verse 22, and heritage to Israel, his servant, the promised land. Again, a picture, a picture of heaven, a picture of the fact that we're not simply dealing with the land in this world, but the world that is to come. Well, with that as a background, now we come to this, to the sections 5, 6, and 7 today. Section 5 in the psalm is that of general deliverance, verses 23 and 24, general deliverance. The psalmist says, who remembered us in our low estate, our low situation. This is a reference to the state, the status of Israel in bondage in Egypt. Now, as you think about this, there are many ways in which we think about the lowly nature of that. First of all, uh, physically, slavery was not an easy situation. It meant hard work. Materially, the Israelites did not have much in terms of wealth. Emotionally, it was a hard situation to be enslaved. And spiritually, though going through difficult times can be an opportunity for spiritual growth, that is not always the case, and certainly not immediately. In a sense, you, you have, sometimes you have to wrestle through that, if you will. The Bible's realistic about this, you have to wrestle through it. But you do have to. And so the thing is that there was a, there, there was, um, a low estate a low situation in which the Israelites found them. Notice that even in that, his, God's mercy endures forever. Why? 
because he remembered us in our lowly state. He remembered us. You think God forgot about the Israelites for 430 years? No, he had remembered them for every year and every day of those years. He remembered them. God had a purpose for that. And we don't always like God's purposes in our fleshly way of looking at things. But God had a purpose. Children, God has a purpose for what he does. And part of faith is to believe that and to accept that. And so we find then that God remembered us in our lowly state. Again, this is a picture of how God takes care of us in our low estate. Mm -hmm. Physically, maybe you're not feeling well. We've prayed for a number of folks here today. Mm -hmm. Physically, there are a number of folks that are not well in our congregation. Mm -hmm. Materially, maybe you need a job or have financial needs. Emotionally, maybe you're discouraged or even depressed. Spiritually, maybe you're doubting God's love for you. You see, God remembers us in our lowly state. Why? For his mercy endures forever. And then verse 24 is part of this general deliverance and has redeemed us from our enemies. Now certainly this would include our earthly enemies, but particularly our spiritual enemies, our spiritual enemies. Think of our, what are our spiritual enemies? Sin, Satan, and death. Sin. Jesus has redeemed us from the penalty and the power of sin. He's broken sins back in our lives. We are sanctified. We're set apart for his service. It's still a struggle, but the back of sin has been broken in our lives. Jesus has redeemed us from the penalty and power of sin. Satan. Jesus has defeated the devil. He's broken Satan's back, as it were. He has bound him, the strong man, as Jesus said in the parable in the Gospels. He's bound that strong man so he can what? Plunder that strong man's kingdom. And so Jesus has defeated the devil and death. You see, Jesus has not only died, but he has risen from the dead. Amen. And so he's Amen. redeemed us from all our enemies, rescued us from our enemies, for his mercy endures forever. Amen. So the general deliverance, verses 23 and 24, the universal providence in verse 25. He is the one who gives food to all flesh. He's the one who gives food to all flesh. As we, as we look at that, I'm reminded of, first of all, a couple of places in the Psalms. In Psalm uh, 104, for example, in Psalm 104, these, all the creation, these all, all these uh, creatures, these all wait for you that you may give them their food in due season. What you give them, they gather in, you open your hand, they are filled with good. Amen. Or we think later in the Psalms, to Psalm 145, verses 15 and 16. The eyes of all upon thee wait. They look expectantly to you. 
and you give them their food in due season. You open your hand and satisfy the desire of every living thing. Amen. And of course, in, in uh, uh, Matthew chapter 5, verse 45, the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus speaks about the fact that the Father makes his Son rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. Why rain? Well, brings forth food. But you see, the interesting thing here is that although that's a universal and general providence, here's the point. That general providence that he extends to all people is a token of the particular mercy he shows to his people. Remember the 37th Psalm? Psalm 37, where um, David, in, in Psalm 37, uh, says, um, uh, verse 23, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. Verse 25, I have been young, and now I'm old. Yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his descendants begging bread. Isn't that interesting? And of course in Matthew chapter 6, isn't this what Jesus talks about? In the, again, in the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 25, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more of more value than they? Amen. Which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek, the worldly folk, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about its own things. Amen. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Amen. So yes, there's a general providence, a universal providence. But you see, it's a token. That is a token of the particular providence he gives to those that are his elect. And there, because you see, what does he say here? Who gives food to all flesh for his mercy. That's particular. His mercy endures forever. And then having seen the general deliverance and the universal providence, we now come to the summation in verse 26. Oh, give thanks to the God of heaven. Which, by the way, takes us back to where we started in the first three verses that began, Oh, give thanks. Oh, give thanks. Oh, give thanks. And now we end. Oh, give thanks. A specific reminder for thanksgiving. 
Oh, give thanks to the God of heaven. Now, my friends, this phrase celebrates God's glorification over everything that is rocking the world. It's celebrating that. He is the God of heaven. You going to disturb him up in heaven? He is sovereign. He rules over all. No one's going to, to storm his castle. Okay? He is the one who is sovereign. He is the one who rules over all, which is also embedded in this phrase. And what I want us especially to note at this point is that it is this big picture. Now, as we sort of step back from the psalm, it's this big picture that gives a basis for thanksgiving. It's this big picture in terms of history, history that is recounted here from the very beginning, from creation, and then continuing on with some events throughout redemptive history, the exodus and then the destruction of these kings, the, the inheritance of the promised land. It's that big picture in terms of history, but also in terms of heaven, by looking at the end, by looking up, if you will, that gives a basis for thanksgiving. You see, we tend, do we not, to think in very narrow and self-centered ways. Isn't it true? I mean, we had, we had requests here today, or a, a note today, that someone had a great day yesterday, and that's wonderful. And it's good to give thanks for gifts and presents. Nothing wrong with that. Suppose we didn't have those gifts or presents. Suppose you were going through a difficult time with your health, with your marriage, with your family. Whatever it may be. Well, the psalmist would lift our eyes to God and his eternal plan being worked out in history and coming to a culmination, to a consummation, to an end point. And that gives us the basis for thanksgiving. For indeed, his mercy endures forever. You remember I talked about how the word there is chesed, C-H-E-S-E-D, it's chesed. Sort of that sound, chesed, in the Hebrew. And that chesed is a very rich word, a very rich term. You can't encapsulate it. You can only approximate it. And you can approach it from different angles. Is it love? Is it loyal love? Is it loyal faithfulness? Is it, is it compassion? Is it love? Is it grace? These are many terms that we could use with regard to that. But one of the things that we know from this very rich term that is affirmed is that it is eternal, reflecting God's eternal nature. But just this past week, I read an article for the, uh, in the Boston Globe. That's, a, that's the major newspaper in Boston, Massachusetts. And various churchmen and churchwomen were interviewed for that. 
Now I recognize that maybe the, maybe the reporter wasn't fully reflecting what was said, but I tell you, basically what was being reflected there was only despair and gloom. And at least by what was being expressed, they had comfort for their congregants, nor for the watching world. Oh, we're, we're, we're in such despair. Things are so horrible, you say. People are looking for hope, and what, what do I give them new for this year? That was the expression. My friends, I don't have anything new to offer you. I have the old, old story to offer you. It is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it is the reality of the eternal mercy of God. A mercy that endures forever. Mercy that extends not just to the individual, but extends to all the people of God as a group. Mercy that extends not just in this present time, but has extended back in history and will extend in the future as well as God continues to direct all the events of history for his own glory. His mercy endures forever. And that gives us the opportunity and the basis for thanksgiving. Now, three points of observation before we get to the application. First of all, the first observation is this. God's mercy is specific and particular. God's mercy is specific and particular. You see, those who reject God do not experience God's grace and mercy. But the elect, those whom he has chosen from all eternity, do experience his grace and his mercy and his compassion and his love. God's mercy is specific and particular. Number two, there are several reasons why we are given 26 reasons for thanksgiving. First of all, because of the greatness of God, the greatness of God. Secondly, and so, so, it, so in other words, it, it, it's a way of of emphasizing it and underscoring it so you don't miss it. But secondly, in that regard, it is because we are so spiritually dull and stupid, we have to be reminded over and over again. When we're going through difficult times, when we're experiencing things we don't want to experience, when we don't understand why, when we just are so proud and full of ourselves, we have to be reminded over and over again his mercy is everlasting. But thirdly, notice with me that the length of the psalm, the length of the psalm allows the development of the story. It allows for the development of the story. It begins with God himself and who he is. Yahweh. God of gods, Lord of lords. It paints the scene of creation as the theater of God's redemptive activities. Do you remember when we, we talked about, um, uh, you remember we talked uh, a week or two ago about Mercedes-Benz Stadium? You wouldn't build a 
$2 billion stadium, mm -hmm. unless you play a sports game in there. There wouldn't be any purpose to it. I mean, as beautiful as the stadium is, what's the point if you're not going to have sports competition in it? And that's the point of creation. It is Creation is the arena. It's the stadium. Or to change the metaphor, it's the theater of God's redemptive activities. The way that the, it's the backdrop, if you will, for the drama of redemption. The historic playing out of redemption, of salvation. And so it paints the scene of creation as the theater of God's redemptive activities. Then it points to the deliverance from Egypt as a picture of salvation. It celebrates God's providential deliverances of his people from all their enemies, his providence. And it concludes with a summing up of what God has done. Oh, give thanks to the God of heaven. You know, years ago when my wife and I were living in uh, Wisconsin and uh, I was out walking and you know out west like in Montana especially is called big sky country we used to get the same sort of thing in in Wisconsin in many ways and so we lived in a old Victorian farmhouse out in the country not a lot of lights around I was out walking on a country road and I turned around to come back and I saw the heaven I saw them stretched out the dome of heaven. And I went, wow, wow. It was amazing. There is a, the wow factor. There is a beauty to creation. There's a beauty. There's a wow factor to the heavens and to the sea creatures, great and small. There is an amazing nature of deliverance from the Pharaoh and these other kings. And there is also, my friends, a sense of wow when we think on who God is and how he saved us. Oh, yes. And so the length of the psalm allows the development. In a few moments, we're going to sing Psalm 136 all at once in its entirety. We haven't done that before. We've deliberately broken it up when we have sung it before, we sang the first eight stanzas and then the last five, for example. But I wanted to do that today for a very particular reason. Because you see, singing Psalm 136 in its entirety gives the rhythm and the cadence with this refrain, for his mercy endures forever. And it exhausts our thanksgiving. As a matter of fact, it may exhaust us. We may run out of breath. And that's the point. Because God's greatness and God's mercy doesn't get exhausted and doesn't run out. But yet, we can get exhausted even singing these 13 stanzas. So, God's mercy is specific and particular. There are several reasons why we're given 26 reasons for Thanksgiving. Thirdly, by way of observation, notice the development of various things. Did you notice this, children? We started with creation, and then, of course, we go to history, don't we? So, creation, 
who moves to history. But more than that, did you notice something else? When we talk about creation, and children, you know, I was talking with you all in the children's class about this. I had some questions, Jonathan, asked me concerning these, right? I had some questions asked about three, about, about space. And I said, as we talk about space, not just outer space, when we talk about space, what is it? It's 3D. It's three dimensions, right? It's height and width depth. We live in a three-dimensional world. It's space, creation. But then it moves on to history, which, by the way, is space plus time. That's what history is. It's space plus time. It is a sequence of events which occur in space. That's the point of history. And so we find then this, so it moves from space to space plus time, and it ends in verse 26, in heaven, in eternity. So notice the development of those various themes. Indeed, the long historical perspective of thousands of years points to the everlasting nature of God's rule. Well, I have two points of application. I think the first is this. Have you, have you been thankful for how the Lord has blessed you this past year. Have you been thankful for how the Lord has blessed you this past year? Now think back on all the ways that God has protected you from injury, from setbacks, from sin. Think back on all the ways that God has provided for you. Food, shelter. No one's starved yet this year in our congregation, right? God's provided food for us, shelter, clothing, schooling, <coughs> income. Think back on other blessings he's given to you, friends and family. And yes, there may have been hard times, but you know, you remember when Jonah got swallowed by the big fish, by the whale? Remember what happened in chapter 2 as he was reflecting on that? Even when he was still in the whale, he was able to give thanks to God and to cry out to God for his mercy. So have you been thankful for how the Lord has blessed you this past year? You know, children, that we have the Westminster Shorter Catechism questions and answers that we deal with every week. One of our sister branches of the church uh, or several of them, use what is called the Heidelberg Catechism. I want to read question 28 of the Heidelberg. What advantage is it to us to know that God has created and by his providence does still uphold all things? Here's the answer. That we may be patient in adversity, thankful in prosperity, and that in all things which may hereafter befall us, we place our firm trust in our faithful God and Father, that nothing shall separate us from his love, Amen. since all creatures are so in his hand, that without his will they cannot so much as move. Amen. So have you been thankful for how the Lord has watched over you and blessed you this past year? Number two. If you find that you do not have a thankful spirit, 
then you better check to see if you're a Christian. Amen. A genuine believer should be joyful. It should breathe the air of thankfulness. And that thankfulness needs to be expressed in praise to God. As you take stock of yourself at the close of 2021, if you discover children, older person, if you discover that you are selfish and self-centered and not very thankful, then you better repent right away before this year slips away. My friends, the psalmist gives us abundant reason for thanksgiving. Indeed, it's all because his mercy endures forever. Amen. We please stand for prayer. And now, our Father, we pray that thy Holy Spirit would work in our midst. We pray, O God, that the evil one would not swerve the seed. of the word would be planted deeply in each heart. Give us the grace, O Lord, to love thee, to serve thee, to praise thee, and to be thankful to thee for all that thou art and all that thou hast done, and all that thou art doing, both now and forevermore, world without end. Indeed, thy mercy is everlasting. We'll thank thee in Jesus' name.